Welcome into the first live recorded episode of the Gridiron Goliath podcast, episode six officially brought to you by fanatics.com. Get all of your licensed gear, particularly from the NFL, but all other major leagues as well at discounts site-wide on fanatic.com. Link will be below and let's get right into it. So obviously we have the NFL scouting combine this week. And while obviously we all know there are amazing players across the top of the board, Will Anderson, Jalen Carter, Stroud, Young, who won't be throwing, by the way, uh, Bijan Robinson. These are all incredibly talented guys that will be a blast to watch the entire time. Um, I'm not going to highlight them all that much because you're going to hear about it anyway. As you go through and look at all of your mock drafts, I mean, we have months and months of this to go, but I'm going to focus on some guys in the later first as well as the later rounds that I think could end up either really helping or really hurting their draft stock as we go on here. So I'll jump right into it. Zach Charbonnet running back with UCLA is one of the few guys that I think will legitimately hurt his draft stock because I think he's going to have a very slow 40 time that's going to turn a lot of teams off the guy is an athletic beast he's just not that fast he's quick on a football field but he doesn't have that crazy straight line speed that gets guys moving up boards and then you end up with John Ross Uh, you know he is a talented talented guy he just is going to hurt his stock if he runs a 40-yard dash. He's not that quick. Or he's not that straight line fast, rather. He's a quick back. He's got good twitchiness. He'll probably do well in three-cone, drills like that. But I think he'll legitimately hurt his stock because his 40 time isn't going to be that great. And that'll have him fall under guys like uh, Tank Bigsby, Jameer Gibbs, These guys that are looking pretty good for a second round, early third spot, he'll probably fall into the middle, late third just because of that 40 time, which is ridiculous. But there is so much stock put into the combine, it can't really be overstated. Uh, We've seen guys absolutely skyrocket. And the rest of the guys on my list are guys that I think will just increase their value exponentially through these drills. I've never agreed with that. I think film should tell you a lot more than the combine and the pro days, but we have seen it time and time again, where these guys go from here all the way to here, just on a bench press or a 40 time or a broad jump. And it's tough to make those guys put all of that athleticism to good use if they don't have good fundamentals if their film's bad they're probably not that great if their film is unbelievable then why do i care what they do without pads in shorts running in a straight line that's my opinion on the combine i'll still watch every second of it (laughs) i mean i'm still going to use it And I'm going to evaluate players on it and bring you guys content based upon set evaluations. But if you give the combine or a pro day more weight than you give film, you end up with Zach Wilson, who never had great film. The guy was 
unbelievable in his pro day. I mean, you're seeing him roll around, get completely across the back of the end zone, throw the ball to the other end zone, and you're wowed by what you see. But at the end of the day, it's a pretty throw. Most NFL quarterbacks are making a pretty throw against air. That's just a fact. That's what happens. They're NFL quarterbacks. So while we should put some weight into the combine, we shouldn't put so much that it absolutely plummets a guy's stock like it will for Zach Charbonnet, bold prediction, or raises them up to a status that they don't belong in. Which brings me to the guy that is going to, you can book it, I'm predicting it right now on this podcast this second. Anthony Richardson is going to be a top 10 perennial guy in every mock draft after the combine. He has so much raw talent. He's 6'5". He can run through you. He can run around you. He can throw the ball anywhere on the field. He is an athletic freak. The likes of Cam Newton, the likes of Josh Allen. I mean, he's an unbelievably talented guy. I'm not going to take away from that for a second. He also has a lot of really mediocre film. Um, He cannot throw the ball accurately, consistently. He is the definition of a one-read guy. So while there's a lot there, if he goes to a team that expects him to start right away, I don't see him being successful, regardless of the talent. He might be one of the more talented, and and people say this every single offseason with these prospects, but it's true. He might be in the top three of most talented QBs in the last decade in terms of raw talent. His mechanics are awful. He doesn't read defense as well. The good news is all these things can be taught. He will have his opportunity to learn and progress as an NFL quarterback, but he needs to be in the right situation. I I don't see him getting drafted to start for the Panthers, right? And just being instantly great, regardless of how great I think Frank Reich is. He is going to take years of development, and I think multiple. Like, I think he's a guy that needs to sit two years behind an established starter and really develop his game. And I don't think that's what's going to happen at all. I don't think that's the opportunity he's going to land in because his combine is going to blow so many people away and his pro day is going to blow so many people away that he'll be a perennial top 10 pick in every mock after this week. I am so ready for the post-combine mocks to have Anthony Richardson top 10 across the board. And he's incredibly talented. He's just not a top 10 quarterback yet. The talent and the upside is huge. And when quarterbacks have talent, upside, and measurables, they'll always go higher than they probably should. Jalen Hyatt, receiver from Tennessee, will raise his stock as well, just because he's too athletic not to. I don't understand how a guy wins the Blitnikoff Award, absolutely dominates, for the most part, when Hendon Hooker was in at QB, but still absolutely dominates 
the SEC just bullies guys at the top end of some of these routes. He reminds me a lot of A.J. Brown. Some people may disagree with that comp, but that's who I see. He's A.J. Brown, and he's a better separator. So I don't understand how every mock has him falling into the second. Now they're starting to catch on. Now you're seeing on NFL Network, he's in the 20s. Um, I think he's a top 20 guy. He has everything you could ask for, has great hands, excellent quickness, great release. Uh, I don't know what else you have to see from him to say that he's a top 20 guy. So I think he'll have a great combine. He'll have a great pro day. He'll start moving himself up, but it starts this weekend. Uh, the guy was the best receiver in the country. Sometimes these prospects are just overthought way too much. It's kind of a no-brainer. He was the best receiver in the country. He beat out Marvin Harrison Jr., who is going to be a top-five pick. So he beat out that guy for the award. His tape suggests that he's an absolute monster, and there's no reason that that shouldn't continue on the NFL level. It's the same reason Justin Jefferson fell into the 20s. Why? How can you watch Justin Jefferson tape and say that that guy wasn't a top-20 guy? His measurables weren't perfect. That's it. Jalen Hyatt is an absolute stud. He should be a top 20 guy. I think he'll move himself into the ranks of that post-combine. Um, Osiris Torrance out of Florida. I'm very interested to see what his measurables come out to. He's just a big guy. I mean, he is a brick wall at that guard position. And he's pretty quick for his size, too. So I'd love to see what his measurables come out to after that. With linemen, I think that matters a little more, unless you're an absolute freak of nature, nothing we've ever seen before, like Aaron Donald. But as far as interior defensive linemen, interior offensive linemen, those measurables matter. You have to have that combination combination of quickness, size, strength, all of that is necessary for these guys to succeed on the next level. You can't be a successful guard in the NFL at 270 pounds and six feet of height. It doesn't happen. The weight matters more than the height, but point being, he's the perfect combination of all of it. And he is strong. I mean, he bullies guys, absolutely manhandles guys all around the field. He has a little problem in pass pro, but I think he'll be able to work on that. He'll be probably, I'll say top 30 guy. He will go in the first round, but I'm excited to see what his measurables come out to, because I just think he's an athletic freak. Um, Jackson Smith Najiba out of uh, Ohio State. He and Zay Flowers from Boston College might be the twitchiest receivers in this draft. You have a lot of quickness at the receiver position in this draft. Uh, not so many guys that you look at and you're like, oh, that's an alpha X save from maybe Quinton Johnson at a TCU, but a ton of quickness. And JSN and Zay Flowers, they have quickness in spades. Uh, Zay Flowers reminds me exactly of a young T.Y. Hilton. So I'm excited to see his uh, three cone drill of, as well as JSN's. I think both of them are going to do really, really well and show exactly how twitchy they are 
by doing that. And again, I mean, it's combine week. So you want to talk about the prospects as much as possible. But I'm not going to sit here and start dissecting where I think these guys are going to go and start doing all these crazy mock drafts when free agency hasn't even happened yet. The rosters for some of these teams are going to look completely different in a matter of weeks. Free agency, I believe, starts the 15th. So to project who's going to take who outside of maybe the top five is asinine to me, considering the fact that it's going to change. It's just content to be content. And that's not what I enjoy doing. Um, I'm not going to just shove content out to have something for you guys to look at when the mock draft that I put out yesterday is going to be completely different than the mock draft that I put out post free agency. Um, so I'm not going to touch all that much on the combine. I just don't find most of it that interesting. I'll watch it. I'll see what certain pro- prospects do. But to base your opinion of a guy solely on a throw that you see during their pro day or solely off of their combine is such a waste of film. We have so much film on these guys. The NCAA is a billion-dollar organization. We have so, so much film on everything that we want to see. But just a few names that you could watch that could dazzle you if you're a big, measurable guy and you just love the combine. Colby Wooden out of Auburn, I think, is an absolute athletic freak. Um. He'll be an awesome situational pass rusher. My only thing with he gets gassed. Just watching the film, I mean, he is not an every-down guy, but he has insane burst off the line. When he's fresh and he's got fresh legs going in there, insane burst. So I'm excited to see what comes out of his measurables, if there's anything that I'm missing on film that he shows me from that. Um, and Andre Yosivas from Princeton, and I'm sorry if I butchered your name, but he has some talent, and you probably can't find much film on him because he was from Princeton. He's an Ivy Leaguer, but my God, he was a track and field stud, won a ton of track and field competitions. I I think he could be a lookout guy for that 40-yard dash record, which the 40 is the most fun thing that comes out of the combine i mean it it is what it is the 40s awesome andre's awesome and he's another really twitchy just burner that could fall into the later rounds. so i'm excited to see what comes out of that but switching into league news there is some stuff that i got problems with today brandon staley who shouldn't even have a job, thinks he's too good to talk to reporters at the Combine, when that is inherently his job. Where do you get off? You lose a 27-point lead in the playoffs 
one of the largest of all time, you somehow, some way, talk the Chargers into letting you keep your job. And now you won't even talk to reporters and explain why you still have a job, what you're looking for in the draft, how you're not going to waste another year of Justin Herbert's career. You don't think that you have some questions that you should probably be answering. You're too good to talk to the media. Really? I just, I don't understand how the guy still has a job. He's shown nothing to let you believe that he's the guy that's going to take this team. Is he beating the Chiefs next year? No. The most talented roster in football, and I don't want to hear injuries. The Giants have a horrible roster. That was also one of the most injured in the league. And they made it to the divisional round of the playoffs. You have Justin Herbert, bro. You have one of the most talented defensive units in the league, and you're supposed to be a defensive-minded coach. There is no excuse. Brandon Staley has proven to be a fake, sharp, bad head coach. And now he's too good? To answer the questions of why do you still have a job? Uh, That blows me away. It's almost disrespectful. Everyone else is taking interviews. Everyone else is talking to the media. Everyone else is saying what they're looking for at the combine. Even if you don't want to address the questions about your job, granted, they're going to happen. Talk about football. Talk about what you're looking for. Give the very small Chargers fan base, some hope that maybe you can redeem yourself. But no, he's not even going to do that. One of the guys in the league that I just cannot stand, I just find him pompous. I believe that he doesn't understand that he deserved to be fired. He doesn't understand how lucky he is to have not been fired. And I think we're just wasting another year of Chargers football having this guy still at the helm. I just don't think that he has done anything to suggest that he deserves to still be leading that team. Humble opinion. But Brandon Staley, over him, he is definitely on the do not touch list. I can't stand even talking about the guy to be honest with you speaking of guys i can't stand talking about dan snyder has been caught defrauding his shareholders by taking out a 55 million dollar loan without consulting the board of directors due to a federal probe into completely separate allegations of him just being awful How the NFL has not forced the sale of this team is beyond me. How many scandals do you need? Really? How many problems do you need from one organization to just, I mean, cut the umbilical cord? What are we doing here with the Washington Commanders Redskins football team? What are we doing? Enough. How they didn't cut bait the second the emails were released with John, like John Gruden got scapegoated for the emails. Yeah, he obviously said some horrible things in there too. 
He's John Gruden. What do you expect? But Dan Snyder gets to keep owning an NFL team with all of this going on, force the sale of the team. The NBA did it in two seconds. Donald Sterling screwed up and the NBA made him sell the team in seconds. How is Dan Snyder still the owner of an NFL team? It's an embarrassment to the shield, which they try so hard to protect. They have so many other scandals. Just make this guy sell the team for a large profit, by the way. And let's cut bait and move on here. I mean, just hearing about Dan, it's not even fair to the organization. It's not fair to players that get drafted there. It's not fair for Ron Rivera trying to coach there. I mean, it's just, it's an embarrassment to the league. They should be ashamed of themselves that this is still a thing. Get Dan Snyder out of the NFL. Forget he was ever there and move on. Do yourselves a favor. I don't understand what's so hard about forcing the sale of this team. I understand he still has Jerry Jones in his corner, and that's a huge roadblock in forcing him to sell the team. Jerry, get out of his corner. Like, you don't have enough to worry about? You're a 1,000 years old trying to win a Super Bowl. You gotta, You have to just put it all out on the table for Dan Snyder? Like, it's crazy. Maybe he likes having him there because it keeps the commanders dysfunctional and makes them easier to beat. I don't know. But Dan Snyder needs to be out of football. It's so long overdue that it's just absent. I can't believe we're still having the conversation about Dan Snyder. Years, 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 years now of just constant problems. Get him out of the league. Meanwhile, somebody that is talking at uh, the Combine, Joe Shane has confirmed that I was absolutely correct in saying that Daniel Jones, didn't ne- he never asked for $45 million, privately, publicly, or otherwise. The reason this is debunked is because Shane said that he never at any point in time began negotiations with CAA. CAA is Daniel Jones' old agency that he broke ties with right before negotiations. The reason that's significant is because Daniel Jones and his new, I believe he's with Athletes First now, his new agency just started negotiating with Shane this week. So in that time period was this nonsensical $45 million Daniel Jones is making big time demands. That's when that all came out. And it's impossible that uh, that number came out of thin air. Nobody talked to Joe Shane about that number. Daniel Jones certainly didn't talk to anybody about that number that would have leaked it. So Let's put it to rest. The guy wasn't asking for $45 million. And even if he was, that's the market. So let's not defame this guy for no reason. People that put out reports prematurely without checking their facts should probably put uh, face some repercussions like Lamar Jackson not losing shoe deals because he doesn't have representation, which is blatantly untrue. 
for certain people out there that are making up these scenarios because they're bored with the offseason should probably face some repercussions or at least get on their nationally televised show and apologize for constantly defaming athletes with no actual consequences. It's just wrong. You just want to be somebody to break a story for no reason while we're moving through the off season because not a lot's happening. It's lame. It's a bad look. It's a bad way to handle yourself and it's a bad way to handle the reputations of these players. Honestly, kind of shameful. Meanwhile, Kenny Galladay has been released by the New York Giants. We knew that this was going to happen. It's still a sad day for Kenny. He did not produce. That's all I have to say about it. The interesting caveat here is that the Giants didn't push it to a post-June 1st cut, which would have saved a lot more against the cap this year. The reason being, it would have pushed more of his cap hit past 2024. So now we've just kind of accepted that we're going to take the hit on Galladay this year. That way, it's over and done with after this season, and that cap space completely frees up in 2024. Um, that's more or less it for this episode. Um, the combine's happening. The offseason's moving. I'm pumped for free agency to start. I mean, this is my favorite part of the year when all the team building's happening. I just I find it so fascinating. I love seeing how teams maneuver around the cap. Um, I'll be bringing plenty of content to you.